Welcome back to the Michigan Business Network and Media Business. I'm Tony Connolly, your host. Thanks so much for tuning in. A lot of times we like to introduce our guests with these nice long bios, but with James David Dixon, we don't have to do that. He's the managing editor of the Michigan Capital Confidential. If you want to know what's going on politically, business-wise here in our state, you need to follow him definitely. And as a matter of fact, as we were preparing for this show, we're going to talk about some other things, but he sent me a story that he just released, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. James, how are you? Real good, Tony. How about you? As I was mentioning to you, it's a little cold and I'm ready to get down to Texas or Florida. You were telling me you're not so high on Florida because of a certain reason, huh? Just from what I've heard, they have some problems. They have some roaches that actually will take flight. (laughs) And, you know, I feel like it's kind of a one or the other thing, like (laughs) by land or by air. When they're doing both, that's just a little bit more than I'm ready for. So I'll do a little bit of cold. They're like the Marines of bugs, if you will. They can come by air, by sea, by land. And from Uh, what I understand, they're fairly sentient and pretty good about following (laughs) you around specifically. So like those murder hornets, you know, I remember those last year. I was never scared of those (laughs) because they were so stupid. Like you could be right in front of them and they would never like acknowledge you, you know, right. right. It wouldn't respond to what you were doing. So I was like, those guys aren't our threat. You can just zap them. (laughs) Let's dive into some news. The headline for this story just like caught my eye and I started diving in. Here's the headline. After getting $824 million in state aid, General Motors will cut 900 jobs at Orion Assembly. And the subhead reads, GM CEO claimed investment would not have been possible except for corporate welfare. Wow, this is like a slap in the face to 900 folks. Tell me about this story, James. It is. It reminds me of a story from last year. We talked about this last year, where in June, Ford was given $100 million from lawmakers to create these 3,000 EV jobs. Two months later, in August, they lay off 3,000 people, white-collar workers. They literally traded white-collar for blue-collar jobs. Here, you know, GM does this $7 billion investment, the biggest investment in their history, Every politician is eager to grab a piece of credit. And so they give them $824 million is actually the floor. There is also some local stuff. There's also some tax money that's going to be diverted. So that's just the beginning of it. So the state foots a good amount of this bill. And yet and still, when the transition comes to happen, 900 people are going to start the year laid off. And they say it's indefinitely. And they say it's a retooling, and they say a lot of things, but if $824 million doesn't keep these people working, like we gave them the money, and now they're going to be on the unemployment rolls. We're paying coming and going. And Merry Christmas to those workers, because this is due to happen in January of 2024, which we're rapidly approaching. You know, I don't know what to say. Have you heard anything from the governor or her office in regards to this story? You know, pretty much no one is talking about it in Michigan. There was a lawmaker or two who picked up on us talking about the story on social media. But, you know, I haven't seen any other media reports about it. 
I mean, these are, you know, 900 layoffs to start the new year. And James, you mentioned that of the $824 million, which is corporate welfare from Michigan lawmakers, as you describe it, the Michigan Economic Development Corporation also authorized the state education tax debatement, which would be used in conjunction. So there were other components of the money they were receiving. Right. So that's just the beginning. I mean, it could approach closer. Even a dollar would bring it closer to a billion by the time it's all said and done. The question I always ask with these corporate welfare stories, if General Motors needs that much help from the government, how much help must Ma and Pa Kettle need? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you read these stories, I mean, Mary Barra, the GM CEO, was talking about how without all the various help from government, this project could not have happened. This is one of the largest companies on earth. If anyone thinks that GM would not expand except for government aid, that's just not how business works. And so our biggest companies are complicit in this because they continue to take benefits they don't really need. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about this story, including the governor's reaction. We'll do that next. I'm Tony Conley. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. Sonair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sonair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sonair.com. Welcome back to Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. We're talking with James David Dixon, who's the managing editor of Michigan Capital Confidential. If you want to know what's going on in the state politically, business-wise, you need to make sure you go there, as well as other Mackinac Center for Public Policy publications. Something that really struck me in your story, as you mentioned, Mary Barra runs the 21st largest Fortune 500 company. But her statement was just so cold, these important investments would not have been possible without the strong support of the governor, yet we just don't see this as a feasible project. Wow. I mean, and what does that tell you? That time and time again, no matter how much government money is thrown at these electric vehicle projects, things always break down when it comes time to build it. Ford, you know, the Blue Oval Battery Park in Marshall. At first, it's going to be a $3.5 billion investment, and taxpayers pay almost half, $1.7 billion. That's a lot of money. And in the end, that gets scaled back to a $2.2 billion investment. So everyone has these grand plans. Everyone loves the headlines when things are first announced. But especially with EV projects, there's a point when reality sets in, and they say, we just can't plunk down this much money on something that the buyer is not embracing. So they're trying to mask reality and they're doing it with our money. And James, we're recording this interview on December 12th. Okay. And so has there been any feedback or fallout from this just in a few hours it's been out? No, you know, some 
Republican lawmakers have commented on it and just, whoa, you know, a lot of the public is shocked to hear the news because even if they read the biggest newspapers in the state, they haven't seen it elsewhere. I like what we do at Capcom. I think it's important, but I also think we serve a niche audience. So the Mm -hmm. idea that we would be breaking a story about a layoff in the auto industry when all this stuff is publicly available, we include the links. You can go to the war notice page yourself. In Michigan, when there's mass layoffs, you have to let the state know first. And so that information is all out there. You don't have to copy our story, but to not follow it and to not connect those dots, if you do write the story, you have to be able to connect the dot between wait a minute, a second ago, this was a revolution and this was the biggest thing GM's ever done. And Whitmer was happy to be there. Compared to the silence now, you'd have to be able to connect those dots and they go unconnected. And that's why people ultimately embrace us. So GM is laying off 900 workers in January, but these types of stories aren't just limited to GM. I did a little dig and I can recall earlier this month, your story titled Ford Marshall plant dubbed the worst deal of 2023. Taxpayers spent $1.7 billion. The governor's allies ran expensive smear campaigns against the dissenters of this. And where are we now with this for the folks who don't know? Yeah. So that was scaled back big time from 3.5 billion down to 2.2 billion, much smaller build. Also the job projections were scaled back. This was supposed to be 25,000 jobs. Now they're talking more like 17,000. And so they say, the state says, you know, the state award is going to be scaled back similarly, about one third. What we say is that we will believe it when we see it and we will keep watching to make sure that that happens. Because the idea of paying $1.7 billion out of a $2.2 billion project, now we're getting just beyond favoritism. We're getting just beyond, is this appropriate? We're getting into the government's literally propping up things that would not exist but for the government. And that's just way beyond the bend of corporate welfare. And as I look at these stories, James, I'm thinking, okay, where's all the money going? Where's all the money at? You know, and there was another one to bring in the third member of the big three, Stellantis. They're going to have layoffs at, I forget which one it is. I think Mac Assembly, but anyway, Stellantis is going to have layoffs and they're going to lay off about 1,500 people next year. And they announced this right before Christmas. And what was sad about the Stellantis story is it actually wasn't market conditions. It's not, you know, these things just aren't selling. It's worse than that. The Stellantis layoffs owe to California. So they said in their statement when they announced that these layoffs were happening, they said, because California emissions policies, we have to meet those, we have to manage sales of the vehicles we sell. Manage sales. Think about that. Like in the days of Henry Ford, it was about selling as much as (laughs) you could. Yeah. And now we have some of the biggest companies on earth talking about managing sales, talking about this project wouldn't be possible but for the government. This is not how we want our business leaders to talk. 
When we come back from break, James, I want to talk about Governor Gretchen Whitmer's team. Now, normally when you put together a team, everyone's on the same page. But we have an instance where Michigan's Secretary of State and Michigan's Attorney General are not on the same page, and it's gone public. We'll talk about that story next. Here on Media Business on the Michigan Business Network, I'm Tony Conley. When you fly Lansing, you are just one stop away from over 500 amazing global destinations. The Capital Region International Airport, your gateway to the world. Visit flylansing.com for more information. Welcome back to Media Business. I'm Tony Conley. We're talking with James David Dixon, who's the managing editor of the Michigan Capital Confidential. I'm not one to follow cat fights, James, but I thought this was a pretty interesting story as Michigan's Secretary of State and Michigan's Attorney General are on opposite sides of a pretty important story. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Tell us about it. It is interesting. So there's this group called One Fair Wage Action. They're based in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And just side note, we should all take note of how often, whether it's national popular vote from California or a group trying to get a $15 minimum wage that's based out of Massachusetts, how often these ideas to reshape Michigan come from outside of Michigan. That should concern us all. Anyway, this group They gave $1.8 million to a group called Raise the Wage. Raise the Wage wanted to implement. They were the people who were going to run the boots on the ground campaign. They wanted to get a 2022 ballot measure. They ultimately decided not to, to punt until 2024. But, you know, an accountability group looks into it and they say, wait a minute, we're looking at your finances and Raise the Wage got 99.9% of every dollar it ever got. From this one group, one fair wage action. And so, you know, there's recent cases about this with Unlock Michigan, where if you try to work through a straw donor and use like a pass through so people can shield the identity of people who are making campaign contributions, that's a problem. The state has a real problem with that kind of thing. Unlock Michigan ran into that and one fair wage ran into that because when this accountability group called FACT. They're based out of Washington. They're just a watchdog group. They look into this kind of stuff. When they sent that complaint, the state looked into it. And so this puts Jocelyn Benson, Michigan Secretary of State. She has to go into action. And they actually look at it honestly. They ask both sides for evidence. They look into it themselves. And they find that FACT was accurate that they really were getting 99% of donations from a single group. And again and again, they ask three requests, one fair wage action, explain yourself, you know, what happened here, that kind of thing. Never once is there a response. Ultimately, Benson refers the case to Attorney General Dana Nessel for a criminal referral. And so what's funny about this is Nessel has actually advocated for this group one fair wage action. She advocated that the Michigan Supreme Court hear their case. She's talked at their events. They endorsed her. 
but they did not endorse Benson. And one part of the story which really caught my eye was, and I quote, at one time, Raise the Fair Wage was pursuing the 2022 ballot initiative. You talked a little bit about that, but the complaint alleged that one fair wage action was used as a vehicle to shield the identities of donors behind the $1.8 million in contribution to raise the wage. The ballot committee between December 2021 and April 2022, what always has bothered me about organizations like this Hey, if you're given money, especially large sums of money, you should be required to identify yourself, not only so people know, but for tax purposes and other purposes. And here we have a shield right here. Right. And, you know, so this is what they call dark money. You know, you see that phrase a lot of times in newspapers. So if you wanted to stop that kind of thing, you know, the way to do it would be to make everyone's donations accountable in the same way. But, you know, there's also a free speech argument to be made of, you know, hey, if I'm this group, you know, and that's the way the rules are written, why can't I just play the game as it's written? And that's fine, too. These dark money groups do exist. It's just when it was taken to this extent, when it was taken to the level of 99.9% of the funding, when people aren't responding to official state inquiries, then it's referred to the attorney general. And so here you come in in 2019 with this trifecta, Whitmer, the governor, Benson, the secretary of state, and Dana Nessel, the attorney general. What could be better, right? Everyone's on the same page. And then in 2023 to start the year, the Democrats take over the legislature. They hold all the gavels. Mm -hmm. And despite that, despite the best of times, despite every opportunity to work together, We've seen these little cracks in the coalition. And so what I find troubling, though, and what we might notice is troubling, is when the Secretary of State makes a criminal referral to the Attorney General, and there's absolutely no response. How can that be? And is that where we stand now, James? Has this story been updated at all? That's where we stand now. And so the referral was made in April 2023. I think it was April 12th, actually. So we stand here literally eight months later, eight months later, with no action. How can that be? James, what I'm curious, too, is I Google this. I I scoured the internet. Why isn't really anyone else talking about this or covering this? I think a lot of times, like what might happen with this GM story about the layoffs, what might happen here is... Sometimes if it comes from the wrong side, the wrong politics, then to be seen as following that is to be seen as feeding into those politics, the wrong politics. And, you know, you don't want to be seen as giving a win to the Mackinac Center, (laughs) which is hilarious because, you know, when I was in the news business and, you know, in those kind of settings, you followed the news wherever it came from. But hey, maybe these days people are picking and choosing. We've been talking with James David Dixon. He's the managing editor of Michigan Capital Confidential. James, what's your handle on X? On X, I am down I-75. And yeah, if you guys are on X and you want to go down that road, just know know that there's a big life for me outside of the world of public policy in Michigan. I talk about a little bit of everything. It's not everyone's cup of tea, but... It's somebody's cup of tea. 
All right. I like the handle, too. It reminds me of my stepfather's handle, the Motor City Roller. Oh, very nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Proud to be from Detroit. All right, James, I appreciate it. We'll talk again soon. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Tony. I'm Tony Conley. This is Media Business. We'll see you next time on the Michigan Business Network.